Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of thiazide diuretics from the renal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 58-year-old African-American man with a history of hypertension presents with pain in his right great toe. His hypertension has been well controlled on one medication. He has some difficulty walking but reports no other symptoms. Physical exam reveals significant right-first metatarsophalangeal joint redness, swelling, and tenderness to palpation. He is prescribed a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug and his hypertension medication is changed. This is a case of gout. Let's now get into the topic. Thiazides are a class of diuretics that include hydrochlorothiazide or HCTZ, metolazone, endapamide, and chlorothalidone. The mechanism of thiazides is that they block the sodium chloride reabsorption in the early distal convoluted tubule or DCT resulting in increased sodium and chloride excretion directly, increased potassium and hydrogen excretion, and decreased calcium and urea excretion. Note that increased potassium and hydrogen excretion occurs indirectly by increased sodium delivery to the collecting duct. Let's now talk about the clinical use of thiazide diuretics. Thiazide diuretics are used in hypertension and congestive heart failure, or CHF. It is the first-line therapy for these two conditions in African Americans and the elderly. It is also used in calcium nephrolithiasis, idiopathic hypercalciuria, nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, which can be in the setting of lithium use, and osteoporosis. And finally, let's now talk about the toxicity findings of thiazide diuretics. The main toxicity findings are electrolyte changes, hyperglycemia, hyperlipidemia, hyperuricemia, increased toxicity of digoxin, contraction alkalosis, and sulfa allergies. Electrolyte changes include hypokalemic metabolic alkalosis, hyponatremia, and hypercalcemia. Note that due to the risk of hyperuricemia, you would want to avoid this drug in patients with gout. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 72-year-old man sees his primary care physician because he has been experiencing severe flank pain for the past two weeks. He says that the pain has an intermittent squeezing quality and radiates to the groin. Furthermore, the pain is associated with nausea and vomiting. However, he denies any abdominal pain. Physical exam reveals severe costovertebral angle tenderness and urine dipstick reveals microscopic hematuria. Urinalysis reveals crystals in the shape of an envelope. To prevent recurrence of these symptoms, he is given a drug to decrease excretion of a substance. Which of the following kidney segments is targeted by the drug that was most likely administered? 1. Ascending loop of Henle. 2. Collecting duct. 3. Descending loop of Henle. 4. Distal convoluted tubule. Or 5. Proximal convoluted tubule. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, distal convoluted tubule. This patient with flank pain, hematuria, and envelope-shaped stones on urinalysis most likely has calcium oxalate nephrolithiasis. 
This disease is treated with thiazides to decrease calcium excretion in the distal convoluted tubule. Remember, thiazide diuretics block sodium chloride reabsorption in the early distal convoluted tubule by inhibiting the sodium chloride co-transporter. Inhibition of this transporter also has indirect effects given the linked nature of ion handling throughout the nephron. Specifically, thiazides lead to increased potassium and hydrogen excretion because of increased delivery of sodium to the collecting duct, which is a potassium-wasting segment. They also lead to decreased calcium excretion because sodium absorption competes with calcium absorption in the distal convoluted tubule. Therefore, by blocking sodium reabsorption, calcium reabsorption is increased. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, the ascending loop of Henle, is inhibited by loop diuretics. However, these drugs would lead to increased calcium excretion. Answer choice 2, the collecting duct is inhibited by spironolactone and amylaride. However, these drugs do not significantly affect calcium reabsorption in the kidney. Answer choice 3, the descending loop of Henle does not have transporters that facilitate ion movement and is not targeted by any diuretics. And finally, answer choice 5, the proximal convoluted tubule is inhibited by osmotic diuretics, however these drugs would not affect the excretion of calcium in this disease. In summary, thiazide diuretics can reduce calcium excretion in patients with calcium nephrolithiasis. Next question. A 55-year-old man presents to his primary care provider with increased urinary frequency. Over the past three months, he has been urinating two to three times more often than usual. He has started to feel dehydrated and has increased his water intake to compensate. He works as a bank teller. He has a 25-pack year smoking history and drinks 8 to 10 beers per week. His temperature is 98 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.8 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 114 over 68 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 100 per minute. And respirations are 18 per minute. Capillary refill is 3 seconds. His mucous membranes appear dry. The patient is instructed to hold all water intake. Urine-specific gravity is 1.002 after 12 hours of water deprivation. The patient is given desmopressin, but his urine-specific gravity remains relatively unchanged. Which of the following is the most appropriate pharmacologic treatment for this patient's condition? 1. Desmopressin 2. Furosemide 3. Mannitol 4. Metolazone or 5. Spironolactone And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, metolazone. The patient in this vignette presents with polyuria, polydipsia, dehydration, and a positive water deprivation test with no response to desmopressin administration, suggestive of nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, or DI. Thiazide diuretics, such as metolazone, can be used to treat nephrogenic DI. Remember, DI is characterized by the inability of the body to reabsorb free water in the collecting duct. This is caused by either dysfunctional central production of antidiuretic hormone, or ADH, in central DI, or dysfunctional kidney response to ADH in nephrogenic DI. Common causes of nephrogenic DI include certain drugs, such as lithium and amphotericin B, and severe hypokalemia.
The treatment for nephrogenic DI includes increased water intake, sodium restriction, and thiazide diuretics. Thiazides can treat nephrogenic DI because they lead to volume depletion, which leads to decreased glomerular filtration rate, or GFR, increased proximal convoluted tubule reabsorption of solutes, and decreased delivery of solutes and water to the collecting duct. Of note, amylaride is a potassium-sparing diuretic that can also be used to treat nephrogenic DI due to lithium use. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1. Desmopressin, or DDAVP, is an ADH analog that can be used to treat central DI. Desmopressin is not an appropriate treatment for nephrogenic DI given that the primary problem is in responsiveness to ADH, not production of ADH. Answer choice 2. Furosemide is a loop diuretic that functions by blocking the NKCC co-transport system in the thick ascending limb of the loop of Henle. Loop diuretics can be used to treat edema in the setting of decompensated congestive heart failure, pulmonary edema, ascites, and nephrotic syndrome. However, loop diuretics are not an appropriate treatment for nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. Answer choice 3. Mannitol is an osmotic diuretic that functions by increasing osmotic pressure of the glomerular filtrate. Mannitol can be used to treat pulmonary oliguria, glaucoma, and increased intracranial pressure. However, mannitol is not an appropriate treatment for nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. And finally, answer choice 5, spironolactone is an aldosterone antagonist that reduces potassium secretion by decreasing activity of the epithelial sodium channel, or the ENAC, in the cortical collecting tubule. Spironolactone can be used to treat hyperaldosteronism, diuretic-induced potassium wasting, and congestive heart failure. However, aldosterone antagonists are not an appropriate treatment for nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. In summary, nephrogenic DI can be treated with increased water intake, sodium restriction, and thiazide diuretics. And that's all for this review about thiazide diuretics. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.